0: Good morning, Plum Creek. Are you guys good? Looking all spiritual, showing up in the snow, and the Broncos are on at 11. You guys love Jesus more than football and weather patterns. It makes me so happy to be here with you guys. Uh, Can we do this real quick? Can we welcome everybody who's watching with us online real quick? We just want them to feel welcomed. And loved uh, that video was awesome. Uh, this time last year, and this is one of the hundred reasons I love getting to be a part of the Plum Creek family. This time last year, when you guys did your one day offering, you guys gave just a little bit over a half a million dollars in one offering. Can you guys clap for yourselves? One of the core values, as you guys know, is irrational generosity at this church, and you guys are just a bunch. I'm happy to call you this for once—just irrational people, because you gave you gave that much money, and we are believing. And I just believe, even looking at the faces out here this morning, uh, we're going to even top that this year, and it's going to be amazing because this is some of the purest and most beautiful gospel work that we could give our finances to and make some sacrifice to. So I just uh, want to commend you guys, and it's just again another reason why I am so excited to be with. You guys, today I got a lot on my heart, a lot on my mind, and so we're just going to pray. We're going to give this time to the Lord, and we're going to jump right in. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every soul that is represented in this room and everyone within the sound of my voice online. Jesus, I'm asking that Your presence and Your Spirit would be so evident and felt today. Holy Spirit, would You do the heavy lifting as I do my best, God, in in my imperfected uh, imperfections? Um, help me, Holy Spirit, uh, to still be a vessel for You. I pray that every Every single one of us would be encouraged, inspired. I also pray that uh, for all of us that need conviction today, that we would be convicted in your most loving way. God, we pray all this and ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus. And all my friends said, amen. amen. So I wanna start uh, this morning off with a question. It's not a rhetorical question. I actually want you, God bless you. I actually want um, to, uh, you to answer this to your neighbor real fast. And here, here's the question. What is your biggest pet peeve in life? Quickly, tell your neighbor, what's your biggest pet peeve in life? Wow, it's intense. (laughs) It's getting real. I love it. All the introverts are like, this is actually my biggest pet peeve. When the pastor acts us to talk to the person sitting next to us. Like, I'm so mad right now. I don't apologize, I'm an extrovert. I love doing that to you guys, it's great. My wife hates it when I, when I do that. Um, I I have a pet peeve like all of us and and it's, it's a pet peeve. We call it, we, we call it a pet peeve because to us it's like the biggest deal in the world, right? Like it just absolutely devastates you and frustrates you and makes you angry. But if you tell a lot of other people your pet peeve, they'll kind of be like, no, it's not that big of a deal. So I'll just let you in on a window into my dark soul. But, uh, (laughs) I would say, uh, one of my two biggest pet peeves is this. I'll start with this one. And most of you will laugh and go, not a big deal at all. It frustrates me beyond all measure. And it's this, it's when people leave their shopping carts by their cars when they're done shopping. Can I get an amen from anyone with me? Yeah, it drives me nuts. I get this. I would like to think it's righteous anger, but it's not because the minute I get out of my car and I see someone doing that or I walk past a shopping cart, there's nothing righteous about what's going on in here. I literally feel the fruit of the Holy Spirit starting to rot and evaporate in me. And I start having these conversations with myself. And I've gotten to the point as I'm getting old and grumpy where I will literally, I can't walk past them with going and putting them back where they were supposed to go in that little lane they've created for the shopping cart carts or I'll grab one and I'll use that as my shopping cart in fact this even happened in less than a month ago Uh, there was a person as I was getting out they were performing that sinful act of leaving it right by their car and so I just grabbed it and I stood right behind their car as they were turning on and I just gave them the longest most uncomfortable stare and I was just looking at them like this like I don't care anymore that's one of the beauties of getting old is it not you just quit caring about a lot of things and I was just looking at him and having a conversation like, OK, I'll go ahead and do your job for you. Like, what are you, 12? No offense, 12 year olds, if you're in here. But you know what I'm saying, right? That's a huge pet peeve of mine. But most of you are like, that's not the biggest thing in the world. Here's probably, though, my biggest pet peeve in the world. And this one, I think, is a little more consequential. And we all know what this feels like. I cannot stand passive aggressive behavior. I just cannot stand it. And let me be honest with you, since we're in church, I have not only been on the the, the receiving end of passive aggressive behavior, but unfortunately, I've been the perpetrator of some passive aggressive behavior. And I think, again, just my opinion, the highest form of passive aggressive behavior that any of us humans can perform in any kind of human relationship, but specifically and most powerfully in the institution of marriage is this thing called the silent treatment. You guys know what I'm talking about? When the silent treatment's happening, especially between husband and wife, we know what's going on. Whoever's doing it is leveraging that to punish, right? You're leveraging that to some way injure and harm. You're leveraging that to send a message to them, it's so frustrating. I love to just call a spade a spade, especially as I'm getting older. I love to just have the confrontation and get it out. Look each other in the eyes and just say what's on our hearts. So when I get the silence, if you ever want to, to just destroy me, just give me the silent treatment. And, and here's, here's what I've learned about this thing we're going to talk about for the next three weeks leading up to Christmas. This, this idea of silence happening before breakthroughs. Happening is this silence can be used by us humans in in two different ways. One is to harm, like I just talked about, the silent treatment, right? And I want you to know this as we start this series. This is an incredibly important characteristic of God, especially if you're newer to this faith thing. You need to hear this because we see it all throughout scripture. And then I've also experienced this in the own rhythms of grace in my personal walk with Jesus. But here's what I've learned, and it's this God. Unlike us humans, never weaponizes silence. Now, you need to know this, God uses silence. Silence is a tool in God's tool bag. We're going to see that in the text we read uh, this morning. God will sometimes leverage what feels like his silence, but what I want us to see and for a lot of us to reframe, especially if you're in maybe a season where you go, I felt kind of the silence from God. You know the seasons I'm talking about where you're praying, you're standing in faith, you're working hard to maintain your values and your integrity, you're, you're believing God for big things, and it just feels like you're prayers are, are, are hitting the ceiling and coming right back down. You, you ever been there before? I sure have. And I, I, I don't even know why I asked that. Y'all have been there before and we're all going to be there again. There are just times in your walk with Christ where things aren't going to be as easy. Things aren't going to be as vibrant. There's many seasons I've had in my walk with God where I'm reading scripture and all the words are just bouncing off the page straight through my ears, down right into my heart. And I'm excited to walk those things out. But then there's equally seasons in my walk with God, and I I think in your walk with God, where sometimes you're doing all the right things. You're walking in spiritual discipline. You're fighting to maintain your integrity and your character and your values, and you feel nothing. And that is such a vulnerable place because what we start to do typically, at least I do, is I start to feel that silence or that, that lack of emotion and feeling with God. I start to feel that as an indictment in my relationship with him. But the beauty and what we're going to see today in the scriptures and what I've come to learn is that God never weaponizes silence. We can sometimes, but here's the beauty of silence. Silence is equally on the healthy side, a beautiful sign of intimacy, right? Right? We know the old adage that you know how good of a friend you have when you can sit in the same room with them and no words have to be spoken and everybody's comfortable there. There's not insecurity. There's not questioning. You're not wondering about the health of your relationship. There's such trust and intimacy there that you can be in the same room with whoever that person is and everything is okay. That is what I want for all of us with God. I love this quote. From Oswald Chambers in his classic devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, he says this, When you cannot hear God, you will find that he has trusted you in the most intimate way possible. I want to read that again, because that's beautiful when you read it, but that's sometimes harder to accept when you're in that season. Says, when you cannot hear God, you will find that He has trusted you in the most intimate way possible with absolute silence. Not a silence of despair, but one of pleasure because He saw that you could withstand an even bigger revelation from God. In, in other words, sometimes when we think those seasons where we're, we're wondering if our prayers are being heard, where you're in what the ancient. Uh, ancient mothers and fathers of our faith used to call the dark night of the soul. When you're in one of those seasons, man, where you're like, like I believe in Jesus and I'm all in, but man, I sure would like some feelings to catch up. What if it's not an indictment from God, Plum Creek? What if that is actually A kindness from God. uh, here, Here, let's frame it this way. A compliment from God of high trust that there is intimacy and he can trust you for whatever he's sovereignly up to with these seasons of silence. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna go to, I'm so glad I got week one because I have been so moved and changed by this particular narrative in the Christmas story. Jesus, if you're newer to the scriptures, just know this. He's the star of every story in the Bible. This whole book was written to prepare us for him, and then uh, teach us how to live in him after he died on the cross. But in every narrative with Jesus as a star, there's always some best supporting actors. And in this particular Christmas narrative, the best supporting actors we're going to look at today, and I think we're going to be encouraged by, is a guy named Zach, Zachariah. He was a high priest in the first century in the time of Jesus coming. He had a wife named Elizabeth, so we'll call him Zach and Liz. And then their son, who would come into the end of the story, you may have heard him before. He's kind of an important player in God's story. His name's John, uh, and we call him John the Baptist. So here's what's happening as we get ready to read Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This context matters. They had just been, as we're reading this story, they have been in 400 years of corporate silence. Since we're talking about silence... Before the breakthrough, breaking through the silence, they had been in 400 years of not hearing a word from God from the prophets. Now, to us, that doesn't seem like a huge deal, right? Because we're blessed to live in a period where we have the final written canonized word of God. We've got a book in front of us that is Holy Spirit authored that we can crack open any time of the day at any moment that we feel and we can feed our souls and we can hear from God and listen to God. But prior to the canonized scriptures for thousands of years, the the Israelites were almost completely dependent on the voice of God coming through the prophets of God. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, right? Right? And he was the last prophet to speak before the next prophet, John the Baptist, would come and start speaking on behalf of God again. Could you imagine having 400 years of silence from God through no prophet? This is what Zach and Elizabeth had been living through. This is where we pick up verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So let's just, let's just realize something. Zach has been faithfully serving in temple ministry his whole life. He had the profound privilege of being one of the Levite priests. Now, this was an incredibly privileged job, but it was, if you read the Old Testament Torah about what this job entailed, it was an incredibly arduous task to be a priest. So he is, we're going to find out, in old age at this point. So he has been serving. I want you to remember that him and his wife have been serving faithfully for decades and decades and decades. And they have for all of their service been in an endless state of silence from God. Both of them, just to add to their resume, were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands. And then listen to this because you don't hear this much about people in the scriptures. And they followed his decrees. What's that word? blamelessly. We have a power couple here, folks. I want to be like Zach and Liz when I get old, right? Just the epitome of faithfulness, the epitome of perseverance and sticking to your values when you're not hearing God and you're still showing up to serve God. Listen to what it says next. We just read they were blameless. Listen to what the next verse says, but, right? And I tell you guys all the time, but's a real big word in the Bible. But They had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So in one statement in scripture, tell me this isn't real life. In one statement, we read about a couple that have been faithfully serving the Lord for decades. They are righteous in God's sight. They have followed his decrees blamelessly. And in the very next sentence, yet they were what? Barren. Now, if any of you in here, and many of you have statistically, you walk through the very difficult thing of infertility, man, that is a difficult plight to walk through. When you have a desire of the heart to have a child, and your body is not allowing that to happen. I've walked through so many people as a pastor who are going through infertility. It is a big deal in modern times. But can I say this? In the ancient times, first century Judea, do you know what a huge deal it was to be infertile? Because for thousands of years, the Jewish community believed that if you could not have a baby, it was judgment from God because of some type of hidden sins or because of some mistakes that you've made. Yet we just get that theology blown up right there because it said that they were righteous in God's sight, that they followed his decrees blamelessly, and yet their prayers to have a baby for decades, because they're old now, they're well advanced in years. We're gonna read that in a few seconds. Those prayers have, have gone up and hit the ceiling and came right back down. You understand these very righteous and blameless people had to live with this conscious and subconscious judgment that the people would have, whether they spoke to them or not, would have been putting on them because everyone had a honest, it was a wrong conviction. We know that now from New Testament scripture. It was a wrong conviction, but it was an honest conviction that if you had any kind of physical ailment or disease, or if you couldn't have a child, that was judgment from God because of something hidden in your life that was messed up, which wasn't true at all in their case. But I can't imagine going year after year, uh, decade after decade, praying and believing God for these miracles and not seeing anything. And the reason I'm so encouraged, and I hope you are today too, is because if we could just keep telling everybody's story in this room and online, there would be so many stories similar. And you go, well, yeah, we're not perfect. And yeah, we, we are broken and born into sin, of course. But, but you, you, you have stories in this room of people who have been faithful to God, have persevered in their walk and relationship with God, have paid some high prices and beautiful sacrifices in their relationship with God. But there's that but in their story. Blameless, but barren. So think about it. Not only were Zach and Liz in a season of corporate silence for their whole lifetime, but they had also walked through decades of personal silence when it came to them wanting to have a child so bad. And now they find themselves in in, in their old age. Picking back up in verse eight, it says, once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, This is cool. He was chosen by lot. The book of Proverbs tells us that when the lots were thrown in Israel, it was always the sovereign hand of God who decided how those dice fell. In other words, this was no coincidence. He was chosen by lot, which is pretty cool because at the time we're reading, there was roughly 1,800 priests serving in the Levitical priesthood globally that would come to the temple to do the bidding. He happened to be the one of 1,800 priests that particular year to get to go into the inner room, the most sacred, we call it the Holy of Holies, and he got to burn incense and worship to God for and on behalf of the people. According to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord, and I want you to remember this, burn incense. And when the time of the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying together out side and I just want to stop there and I want to give us the first couple thoughts and principles of what we should do in our walk with God when you are in one of those as they used to call it a dark night of the soul when you are walking through one of those very real rhythms of grace where God is choosing in his sovereignty to allow you to walk through such a season of trust where there is silence where the feelings are gone where sometimes the doubts are creeping in When a lot of those persevering prayers, you're getting weary in praying them because you've been praying them sometimes for years and decades. We have all kinds of people in this room right now that you happen to be in that rhythm right now. And the first thing I would encourage us with, and I'm just mostly preaching to myself here, is simply this. Just fight to be found faithful when all of the feelings are gone. Did you hear what it said? Zachariah's division was on duty and he was what serving he had all the right in the world at a to retire because he's an old man now he had all the right in the world with the most sacred and precious thing you could do in ancient Israel was to have a child and they were barren it's like God I could picture being God I've served you and I've served in this temple. My whole life, not only have we served you, but we have followed your decrees with such an intensity and such a zealousness and such a passion. You couldn't just do this one thing and give us a baby. And we've had to secretly sit under the judgment of all these people, whether they voice it or not, because they believe something's really wrong and broken with us, God. You couldn't just do this one thing for us in our faithful service. He could have done that and been finally like, you know what, God, I'm not gonna fully deny you or dismiss you, but I'm done serving in the temple. And yet we read about a guy who uh, admits the, the lack of hearing from God, the silence from God corporately, and the personal silence. He just keeps faithfully serving. And I would say the same thing to us. When you are in one of those seasons, by God's grace, just keep serving. Just keep serving your family. Husbands, just keep serving your wives. It, it does something to the soul that's sitting in silence. Just keep serving your kids. Keep serving your community. Serve your employers. If you're an employer, serve your employees. Just keep serving. Serve your local church. Like, how beautiful of worship is it to God when in the midst of all the doubts and all the silence and the lack of emotions and feelings... You just keep following your principles. You allow your faith to be bigger than your fears. Not only was he found serving, but he was caught doing what? He was worshiping. It said he was burning incense for all of the people. He was the chief representative of worship. And I love in the Old Testament that they would burn incense because that incense was being burnt from from living beings that were killed in sacrifice to be a worship to God. And can I just encourage some of you that are walking right now through one of those difficult seasons, one of those dark nights of the soul, one of those seasons of silence, can I encourage you? You may feel nothing right now. You may have a lot of doubts right now. You may feel that this season is some kind of indictment from God, but can I encourage you that when you choose to continue to worship your creator, when you don't seem like you're hearing or feeling or sensing anything from your creator, do you want to know that is one of the highest, most precious and beautiful forms of worship that you will ever give in this lifetime? I love to praise God. We sang it earlier, praise, praise. I love when things are going great. I've had so many of those rhythms. That's also part of the rhythm of your walk with God. And I wanna acknowledge those of you in here, you're doing great right now. Stars are aligning in your walk with God. You got all the feels. You're feeling all the feels right now. There's a zeal in you. You're emotive. You're in tune with your walk with God. Some of you right now, you're praying and God's just answering prayers quick. And can I just say this? I always wanna say this. Celebrate that. That's God's sovereign choice. Be, be, don't, don't apologize, don't feel bad. Just, just tuck these notes away because it is a rhythm. And we're always gonna have different seasons of life and most of the time we don't see them coming where there will be a dark night of the soul. There will be some seasons of high trust which will manifest in silence from God. Just keep worshiping. Because anyone can praise and sing and shout when everything's going great. But man, I love to be around people that just keep showing up when I know their testimony. When I know some of the hell and high water that they're walking through. It inspires me. And if that's you right now and you showed up today, the last thing you probably think you are right now because of what you're going through is an inspiration to anybody. But can I tell you you're an inspiration to me? You, you, when I know your stories and you still show up, you know what I go? I go, man, I want to be like that. The spirit of Zach and the spirit of Liz. I want to keep hanging on when I go through those difficult seasons. So just keep serving, just keep worshiping. I got to keep reading. Shut up, Chad, and read. (laughs) It's a cool story. The angel of the Lord appeared to Zach standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Isn't that interesting? He would have missed that if he would have quit serving and worshiping. He would have missed an angelic breakthrough. We're calling this series Breaking Through the Silence, right? Breaking the Silence. Silence in the Breakthrough. Sorry, I'm dyslexic. It doesn't matter. That's the name of the series. He would have missed that if he didn't find himself faithfully serving and worshiping. When Zachariah saw him, he did what we all would have done. He freaked out, gripped with fear. The angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Listen to this. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And now the angel's about to quote, the last prophet that Zechariah would have ever been able to have heard from. Zechariah would have probably had most of the book of Malachi memorized. He's literally in this last few sentences about to quote Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6, and Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 verbatim. So that would have awoken Zechariah to being like, wait, What? You're literally telling us some of the last words that we've had to live off of for the last 400 years. Wait, you're saying that prophecy is now coming to fruition, not just to the world, but it's going to be through my baby and I'm super, super old? Like this is... Right? He says, John will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. That's Malachi four, five and six to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. And then he quotes Malachi 3:1 to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Oh, shoot. I'm getting Oscar out of here. I needed that. Lord, expand my time in the name of Jesus. God of time. Yes. 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 Zachariah then does what any of us would have done. Let's not get self-righteous here. He asks a very fair question, right? He just says this, and I get it. How can this, how can I be sure of this? And he's a smart, man. you can tell he's old. He's been married for a while. Because he says, I'm an old man. But then listen to what he says about his wife. And my wife is well along in years. (laughs) Wow, Brilliant. I've learned so much from (laughs) Zechariah. Listen to this response, though. It's interesting. The angel of the Lord said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you're ready for the word again. You will be silent, to which I go, oh, he's had enough of that. But there's something so beautiful in this moment. Now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. Now, doesn't that feel on the surface punitive? Doesn't that feel like piling on? Like, really, for the next eight or nine months, for three trimesters, he can't speak? And I used to see that as, like, punitive. I used to see that as punishment, but, but remember, God never weaponizes. He uses silence. He's doing it here, but he never weaponizes it. You know what Angel Gabriel's doing? He's protecting the story of God from Zachariah's flesh. The same way he did, he's saying this, I will not let you talk yourself out of this. I will not let your human limiting beliefs that we all struggle with, I will not let, because your words have power, y'all. I will not let you talk yourself out because of your old age. I won't let you talk yourself out of this. So you know what? Until this prayer is answered and this dream comes to pass and the story of God moves forward through your son, John the Baptist, you're not going to speak. I'm going to let you sit in the sobering nature of silence. And I'm going to let that silence, if you will embrace it, Zach, I'm going to let it build so much faith and so much trust in what's about to happen. Because what's about to happen for you and your wife is the definition of to him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly far more than you could have ever asked or thought or imagined according to the power that is in God. I will not let you in seasons of silence or difficulty or dark nights of the soul, I'm not gonna let you limit your belief in what is possible with God. I God am gonna use anything and everything I can in my goodness to, to keep you persevering. Do you realize the ultimate Ultimate responsibility of persevering in your faith according to the scriptures is not even you. It's a good God. He is the shepherd of your perseverance. He gives you a perseverance that you don't even think you have in your... For those of you going through that difficult season right now, can I just tell you there is so much more on the inside of you than you're even giving yourself credit for right now? Can I just one more time celebrate you and salute you and encourage you? You showed up today. You showed up today. You took a shower and you put on clothes and you used some of your hard earned money to, 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 to use gas in your car to get here in the snow. Don't beat yourself up. Don't let those voices of condemnation and doubt win out. The enemy loves to prey on seasons of silence. He loves to sneak in in these seasons. He'll give you the winning seasons. He'll, he'll, I'll leave him alone because they're, they're on cloud nine. I don't want to mess it. He's a good steward of his attacks. He will wait until the dark night of the soul starts to come around for you. And then he's going to start putting all of those voices in your head. And may God... The God who gives us angels is ministering spirits like he did Gabriel with Zachariah. May those angels surround us and minister to us. I pray that every morning. Angels, God, your angels surround me. Minister to me today. Minister to my family today. Minister to my children today. Protect my children today. Angels, that's what the Bible said they're there to do, to serve us. I pray the God of angels surround you in your season of silence and difficulty. And I pray that you would not grow weary in doing well because at the proper time, I don't know how God will answer that prayer, however he sovereignly chooses to, but I do know the word of God says at the proper time, you will, like Zach and Elizabeth, reap a harvest if you just do not give up. So to everyone in here and maybe the few of you that you were literally on the brink of giving up, in fact, few of you didn't even almost get here today, but you showed up. You are offering to God in those seasons, some of the highest, most beautiful honor and reverence and faith that we will ever get to offer God on this side of eternity. What I'm saying is this, you are not nearly as bad off or as far away as you've maybe told yourself you are. God is pleased with you. You hold on. You stay faithful. You keep worshiping. You keep serving and you wait for that breakthrough. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. God, I'm trusting that your word's now gonna do what it says it does. Isaiah said, when when the word gets spoke, it's like rain. It comes down, it waters the earth before it ever goes back up into the heavens. And I'm praying right now that you're watering our hearts and our souls and our minds. I pray that in this Christmas season for anyone and everyone struggling and wanting to give up and wanting to to call it quits or 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 just wrestling with so many voices of indictment and doubt. I pray that those today in the name of Jesus would be gone, that all of us would re up on being people who are just going to no matter what we feel or don't feel, we are going to worship our way through it. We praise you. We thank you and we give these last few minutes of worship completely to you in the name of Jesus, amen.